We're starting a new series called Entrusted. Entrusted, that's right. And how many have heard this song? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah, all the world's in his hands, but he puts some of that into our hands. He entrusts us with everything that we have. And so we're going to dive deep into this today. And I believe God's going to minister into your life. How many people have ever found themselves singing a song and then catching themselves out going, oh man, I don't know if I agree with those lyrics. You ever been that? It's like you get hooked into a melody line or a beat and you're singing these words and then you go, what the heck am I singing? Do I agree with that? You know, sometimes if you had to deliver a message, I think it might be easier just to sing the message because somehow singing makes it more palatable. You know, if, if a politician was to sing a message, people might get on board a lot quicker. If a pastor was, don't worry, I'm not gonna sing it because I don't know if it'd be palatable enough because I can't hold a tune. But, but, but Phil Collins in the air tonight, how many remember that song? If you don't know that song, it's the Cabri Gorilla drum song. Yeah, yeah, that song. You know, some of the lyrics in that song are a little bit crazy. He says, well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. Well, that's a bit rough. If somebody's drowning, how many think it would be great to actually lend a hand? But, but that's in that song. And many people, are, that's a great song. But sometimes we, we listen to the melody line, but we don't listen to the message. During this series, we're going to deliver an important message. Here at Equippers, we love to keep it real. Just turn to your neighbor quickly and say, keep it real, keep it real. Uh, what I mean by that? We love to speak about things that affect our daily lives. See, God doesn't want us to just have answers for eternity. He, he wants to work in our here and now. He's got answers for our here and now. And in this series, guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about money. Ooh. Now, now, a whole lot of people get funny when you talk about money. Uh, but how many know money affects our life on a daily basis? In fact, it's a big subject in the world today. The economy, what's happening around. In fact, a lot of people are anxious about money. They're thinking about money. And every day we have to deal with money. So it's really important that we, we get a biblical understanding of how God views money. If it's something that we're working with on a daily basis and God wants to be involved in every aspect of our life, how many know He's got something to say on it? Now, now I'm not going to talk so much on giving and generosity. That's a major biblical theme. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, He gave. Now, now we're not gonna talk about generosity though. What we're gonna talk about in this series is the whole idea of stewardship. Stewardship. We're gonna hone in on what it means to manage your money. Stewardship is simply doing, uh, it's what you're doing with what you have. It's about money management. 
You know, if, if like one leg is generosity, and I like how Robert Morris puts this. In fact, he's put out two great books I recommend you reading, and in fact, we're going to have them available in all our locations. One is called The Blessed Life, The Blessed Life. God wants you to live a blessed life. And that's about generosity and giving, but he's written another book called Beyond Blessed. And Beyond Blessed deals with this whole subject of stewardship because if generosity is, is one leg, how many know you're not gonna go far with one leg? Many people go, well, I've tried that given thing and it doesn't work. Well, it's simply because you don't know what the other leg of biblical financial management is. It's stewardship. It's stewardship. And if we're to walk forward into our destiny, we need to get a handle on what it means to be generous, but also what it means to look after what we have from a biblical perspective. So tonight, what we're gonna deal with is we're gonna deal with the ownership issue. The ownership issue. See, when it comes down to it, there isn't anything in life that is good that didn't come from God. In fact, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Anything good going on in your life right now is because of God. Right up front, when it comes down to it, you and I have been given this life. And if you look at it, we don't own anything. You know, what we have right now, we can think it's ours, but it's actually God's. Now, now, I like what Paul says to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He, he says this. He says, command those who are rich. Now, some of you are going, well, that's not me. That's some other person. But could you be rich and not even know that you are actually rich? In, in, in fact, if you're living in New Zealand, you are wealthy. If you have an income, a combined household income, that's everyone living in your house. If they have a combined income of 70,000, you're in the, in the top 1% rich in the world. Top 1% rich in the world. Now, most people in New Zealand are wealthy and they don't even know it. And, and he says, Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich, not suggest. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Who's met some arrogant rich people before? Not to be arrogant, could it be us? Uh, not to be arrogant, but to, and not to put their hope in wealth, which also is uncertain. A lot of people have found this out during COVID-19. Wealth is uncertain. It's something that we shouldn't put our hope in. But it says put their, to put their hope in God who richly provides for us, somebody say this, uh, provides us with everything. He, he provides us with everything for what? For our enjoyment. Here's the deal. God's not a killjoy. He, he wants to give. He wants us to enjoy life. But this is how you go about it. It says, command them to be, do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous, willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I, I don't know about you, but I want to take hold of the life that is truly life, a real life. I don't, I don't want to live in a fake life. I want to live in a real life. And when it comes to living a real life, you know, it's about following God's way of doing things. Yeah, it could it be some of us are rich and we don't even know we're rich. Uh, 
Ch- chances are, if that you don't know that you're rich, you wouldn't be good at being rich. But even if we're not rich, how about we practice being rich so that when we are rich, we can be good at it? See, see, the reason why people aren't good at being rich is the studies would show the more somebody earns as they go on in life, the more they earn, you know, we graduate past pocket money, we get a part-time job, we earn a little bit more, we get a full-time job, we earn a little bit more. The more somebody earns in life, the less they give away. Studies would show. Now, that's really strange. You know, here's what we've got to realize is wealth or money has side effects, And this is why Paul says some specific things to those who have wealth, especially to to Christians. Now, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, you need to pay close attention. If you're not a Christ follower, you just need to pick and choose what you like or dislike because you're not accountable to any of it. But you might find it fascinating. Now, now the, the, the letter Paul wrote to Timothy goes right to the heart and the epicenter of what we struggle with. Number one is not to be arrogant, not to trust or hope in wealth. I wonder how many people go, man, if I just won lotto this weekend, all my problems would be sorted. But the proof of the matter, the proof is, is that most people who win lotto over a period of time end up in a worse off place than they were before. So, so don't trust in wealth, but trust in God. Be rich in doing good. Turn to your neighbor and say, do good. Do good. Be rich in doing good and be generous and willing to share. To be generous and willing to share is easily easy where you know where it came from and whose it is. Uh, if you've got your Bible tonight, we're going to look at an Old Testament passage. In fact, we're going to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and, and David. Anybody know who David is in the Bible? Uh, 3,000 years ago, David was the king of Israel. Now, now reaching the throne was not exactly smooth sailing for David. You know, there were scandals, there was betrayals, there's some major drama on, on the way there. If you think your life is full of drama, you just need to read about David because he had a whole lot of drama. And, and for years, David led the people on a nomadic journey to make God's chosen people a nation. And and they lived in tents and they carried around a portable version of God's house. It was called the tabernacle. And inside this tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the the presence of God. Now, Now, eventually David reached a point in his life after all his enemies had been defeated and all their battles had been won, Israel was reigning supreme. It was a superpower at the time, and there was peace in the land. In short, what, what was it? he was rich, and the land was rich. And one day it dawned upon him, he dawned, man, I am blessed. I am blessed. He lived in this incredible palace, in an incredible kingdom, an amazing point in history. And, and it's like David's situation was not unlike yours and mine here. How many know we live in a good country? If you live in New Zealand right now, if you're tuning in from other countries, New Zealand's a great country. I pray your country is as good as this country. You know, if David could see us today, he'd say, man, you live like kings every day. How many are glad you live in the 20th century? You know, some of the things that, you know, modern technology makes life a lot easier today. You know, and he looked around, he saw he was in a blessed place. 
And he looked around in his life and evoked a response that gives us a model as to how we should look at our own life. So this is a model at how we should look and think about our own life. David had always seen God's hand in everything. God was present when he was up against Goliath. Every battle David faced, God was there. Every victory he won. In fact, David wrote many of the Psalms to praise God for being the provider of all he received. But as he looked from his home, he couldn't help but notice that God was living in a temporary home. See, the tabernacle was nothing more than a tent. So David resolved in his heart to build a a permanent home and it would be a temple. And David set out, he set out, he got it all drawn up and he raised money for what would eventually be Solomon's temple. They say Solomon's temple was one of the seventh wonders of the ancient world. And David, what did he do? He allocated gold and silver from Israel's nation's treasury to pay for the construction. He donated a large portion of his own money to the project. But when David called the Israelites together to announce the plan, they were excited with this plan. The Bible says they started giving money and money started pouring out so that they could complete the project. They were still in touch with all that God had done to bring them to this place of blessing. And their participation in this project, it was heartfelt. And in the midst of this euphoria, David prays a prayer that gives us insight to his heart and his perspective regarding life, regarding God, and regarding the purpose of money. And and through this prayer, we discover one primary objective that should guide how we think about money, how we handle money. So you're ready for this? Because this prayer is powerful. In First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10, it says, David, praise the Lord. Come on, somebody just praise the Lord right now. David, praise the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to you, Lord, for the God, Father of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, Yours, Lord, yours, not mine. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. What's David saying? In essence, David's looking back over all that God had done through the Israelites' journey and he concluded, God, this is all about you. I wonder how many people could say that today. My life is all about you, God. All the praise, all the honour. Yours is the glory. Yours is the majesty and the splendour. My life is all about you. You know, see, what many people don't understand is when you give your heart to God, your life is no longer your own. That's what Paul said. My life's no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. And here this king, the greatest superpower on the earth at the time, was publicly bowing down before God, who he considered the king of kings. And he goes on, he says, for everything, somebody say everything, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you're exalted as head over all. See, as far as David was concerned, everything belonged to God. Everything in heaven 
and earth, everything. Everything belonged to God. He goes on, he says, wealth and honor come from you. They come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Your hands are strength and power to exalt and, and to give strength to all. Where does your strength come from right now? Some of you are saying, it came from the gym. No, you may have worked at something, but you had to, to have something to begin with. And, and from David's perspective, not only did God own all the material things, but he was the source of all things that money can't buy. Things like honor, power, and strength. He, he covered everything. All the things that bring enjoyment. Everything that fuels your accomplishments. They, they belong to God. He's saying, no matter who held it, it belonged to God. It's, it's God's. And, and this is really important when it comes to handling our money because it's not ours. See, what he prayed there must have astounded many onlookers. See, many have seen how hard David worked to become king, all that he went through. They had witnessed you know, his skills and how cunning he was in battle. They'd seen his wisdom as a leader. That They watched him make sacrifices for the good of the nation. And what's David doing? Now he's openly professing that God was the one who enabled all these things to happen. He was saying, I can't take credit for anything I've achieved. In short, he's saying, Everything belongs to God, comes from God, and is dispensed by God. I'll say that again. Everything belongs to God, comes from God, and is dispensed by God. And he concludes with this. Now, our God, we give thanks and praise for your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give generously is this. Everything comes from you. And we've been given only that which comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as we're all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like, are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building your temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. Wow, what a perspective. You don't see many people responding like that today. David even considered himself unworthy of the opportunity of being generous. Verse 14, he said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give generously as this? It's like, wow, you have provided for me and you've given me the opportunity to be generous. This attitude's the opposite of a lot of people today. In contrast, a lot of people say this, this is mine. It's mine. I worked hard for this. I'm entitled to this. I can, I can do whatever I want. It, it's mine. I earned it. It, it. It's through my hard work. This came. I, I've got a right. And see, there's a difference between an entrusted mindset and an entitled mindset. Which one do you have? Because there's a difference between an entitled mindset and an entrusted mindset. I believe if we're to handle our finances well, we need to understand God's given this. 
to us. He's given us everything in our life for our enjoyment. That's good news. And, and when we do it, when we look at after things God's way, it's then and there we, we find freedom. See, you can have a whole lot of money and still be anxious. You can have no money and be at peace. See, see, God doesn't want money to have rule over your spirit. In this series, we're going to talk about a lot of practicalities around finance. But, but in the kingdom, heart attitude matters. Your heart, God works on the heart. He works inside out. He works on your heart. And then your outside world comes into line with what's in your heart. But, but let's listen to what Jesus said about money. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, He says, For wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is. You know, what, if, if you want your treasure to be in the things of God, it's, your heart to be in the things of God, your heart follows your treasure. And then he goes on in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, somebody say you cannot. Just look at the person sitting next to you and say, you cannot. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I mean, no, there's many people who are enslaved to money. Yeah, in fact, many people sacrifice marriages, sacrifice health, all for the pursuit of money. Now, I want to say, having money is not bad. Having material possessions isn't bad. God gives them to us. But the problem is, is when money has you. And here, here God says, you can't serve two masters. You either love one or despise the other. So the question is, who are you going to serve? Because the main competitor for your heart, the main competitor for your heart, other than God, is money. This is a big thing. And God entrusts to us money. In fact, I challenge to say money is the lowest form of stewardship. He's saying, if you can do good with money, I can trust you with something that's far, of far more valuable, of far more value, people. His anointing. But He tests us with money. Because he wants our heart. See, this isn't about money. It's more about your heart. And right at the start, we need to establish that everything in our life belongs to God. In fact, Psalm 24 says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Now, I was taught from a young age to tithe. You know, tithe is simply 10% of your income goes to God. You know, if you're given a $1, 10 cents goes to God. You know, I used to get $1 pocket money, used to go to the dairy, 90 cents. And back in my day, you could buy half cent lollies. Get that, two lollies for one cent. And so I used to buy 90 cents worth of half cent lollies. And that, but, but I learned that right from the thing. When I, I got paid, 10% has never been a big deal for me. I, I, I'm very thankful that I, I've been raised where this was just a part of my being. Uh, my father learned it. Where did he learn it? He read his Bible. He was a farmer at the time. He read the Bible. He thought, it's in the Bible. I'm going to do it. And so he started tithing while he was on the farm. Do you know, literally, God blessed him in such a way that one day he was pulling up. The tanker driver, should I say, was pulling up to, to, to collect the milk in his vat 
which holds all the milk, was literally overflowing. And he was having to get buckets to contain all the milk. And the tanker driver said to him, how many cows are you milking? He said, oh, about 80. It wasn't a large farm. He said, do you know you're taking as much milk as the farm down the road that's milking 160? Yeah, yeah. if you test God in this, the Bible says He'll open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there won't be enough room to contain it. But, but here's the deal. What I want to say is people go, well, I tithe. Yeah, I give my 10%. Well, the challenge is, what are you doing with the other 90%? Because, you know, the routine of tithing doesn't engender the mindset that David expressed in his prayer. See, even if you give 10% faithfully, it doesn't mean you come away with the right perspective when it comes to the other 90%. In fact, over time, you can become a little bit possessive. As long as I give to God His cut, I'm free to do whatever I want with the other 90%. God, here's your 10, I'm taking the rest for me. See, it's easy to give God 10 cents out of the dollar or you know, maybe it's you get $100, $10 out of the 100 or $100 out of the, the, the 1,000. But what about when you get a check for 10K? Ooh, $1,000, that's a lot of money. How I many know for a split second, you can think, man, that's irresponsible giving away that much money. Come on, a lot of us experience that feeling. You know, your income's increased, and many here, you, you know what I'm talking about. And whenever we sense a little hesitation, it's simply because we've started to view our money as our money. We started to view our money as our money. And, and, and unlike David, we don't really view it as being God's. See, here's the myth. The myth is we own it and we're giving it to God. That's a myth. Because uh, God owns it all anyway. See, the idea that we give, to God, uh, give God anything is really just that. It, it's a myth. And David's prayer suggests it's not about giving. It's about living a life that honors God. See, number one, everything belongs to God. But if I was to have a second point, it's everything is just on loan. Everything's just on loan. We are stewards. Now, now I want you to imagine you work for a company called U Inc. U Inc., and you're responsible for managing the finance. You're the CFO of that company, of, the, of that company. Now, now, if you manage the money for you, Inc., the way you manage money for you, would you fire you? That's a good question. See, see, see when you view it as yours, it's, ah, oh, it's mine to waste. If it's yours, you squander it. That, that's God, this is mine, you know, I'll do whatever I want. But you've got to understand, everything belongs to God, comes from God, is dispensed by God. What would it look like for you to honor God with all your stuff? Some of the big things, you know, the Bible talks about is living within your means. Not going outside. See, in today's world, if we want it, we hire purchase it, we put it on credit, and, and we don't live within our means. And we wonder why we're in financial difficulty. 
See, this, this is not just about money, but, but, but it's, it's, it's about how we, uh, we approach things in our life. Like, what would it look like if, if you honor God with your strength, with your time? You know, honor is a, a value here at Equipage Church, and honor means to put your weight in behind. See, I don't want us just to be a group of people who show up on Sunday, uh, lift our voices in worship, and then live lives that are contrary to what we've just sung. Again, we sing words, I give you my all, but not my money. I give you my all, but not my time. I'll do, you know, I give you my all, but yeah. And, and it's like we, we have these lines. Well, well, that part's God's, this part is mine. It's all His. It's just on loan to you. You know, the fact that you got air in your lungs is a gift from God. And, and see, the principle, this principle runs right through, this principle of stewardship runs right through Jesus' teaching. And it's not about what you have, it's about what you're doing with what you have that counts in heaven. People go, oh, well, I don't have much, it doesn't matter. Well, the Bible talks about how you look after the little will determine whether you get much. And it's not about what you have, it's what you're doing with what you have. Now, now today's subject gets a lot of people nervous. Some people are getting butterflies in their stomach right now. It's like, oh, this is a little bit challenging. As I said, at Equippers, we like to keep it real. If you thought turning over everything to God gets you a little nervous, don't worry, you're not alone. Remember, God doesn't want to take your money. He just doesn't want it to take you. He doesn't need permission to take your stuff. It's already his. And God's a giver, not a taker. And he didn't send Jesus to collect from everyone who owed him. Oh, they owe me. They need to pay up. No, it's not like that. See, when you acknowledge him as the owner, he gives you the freedom and the peace that come with letting it go. How many would love to live in a place where, man, I'm just not worried about finance. I'm not, it's not always on my mind. So, so let me ask you this question again. What would it take for you to honor God with all your stuff? For a start, and maybe actually honoring Him with the 10%, your tithe. If you are, are not doing that, you can test God in this. It's a great place to begin. Maybe you're doing that. Maybe you want to take it up a notch. Or perhaps... You're giving to God a tithe, but you're not honoring God with the 90%. And, and when I talk about honoring God with the 90%, I mean doing things like a budget. Honoring God with the 90% may be providing for your family. Honoring God with the 90% may be spending less, maybe saving more. I, I don't know where this will land for you, but if you ask God, He'll show you how to honor Him with everything that you have. See, many people want God to bless them, but not take any responsibility. But I found blessing and responsibility walk hand in hand. And to those who are good stewards, God says, I can give more. But why would God give more to somebody who wastes it? See, God provides everything for our enjoyment. Now you think, if you're a parent and you gave 
your child a gift, if you gave your child a gift, you wouldn't want them loving the gift more than they loved you. You'd want your child to enjoy the gift, man, enjoy that gift. But you wouldn't want them to put it ahead of you. And do you know that's God's approach with us? But so often in our life, there's a dread of not having enough, of running out, or God forbid, somebody having more than us. And the question we need to ask is, whose declaration of mine is valid? Whose declaration of mine is valid? Yours or God's? Because God says, it's mine. But we've got a whole lot of people in the world going, no, it's mine. God's saying, no, it's mine. Whose is valid? See, I find when you surrender to the truth, it's all God's. Things begin to work. In fact, when it comes to this subject, you know, this, this breeds anxiety in a lot of people. A lot of people are stressed today, worried today. Yeah, people have lost jobs. That's why we're teaching this because we need to get a handle on what God says about money. We need to understand also that you and I can live off the economy of heaven. We don't need to be bound by our natural circumstance. And when we put in place God's principles, God's principles work. And I'm, when I talk about blessing, I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about living with peace. See, some rich people think, oh man, they've got it all. But you know, rich people are as likely to commit suicide in some places, even more likely to commit suicide and be on antidepressants as people with no money. Money doesn't equate to happiness. True fulfillment and true life comes being centered in a relationship with God. It's in a relationship with God, you find what you need. I believe this is such an important subject because if we're to be honest, many of us are ruled by the currency of the day rather than being ruled by the voice of heaven. 